few weeks ago, there was a woman by the name of Gwen Berry. She won the third place spot on the uh, Olympic team out in Eugene, Oregon. And you may or you may not remember, but there was one particular uh, athlete that turned her back on the flag whenever the national anthem was playing. Um, what she did made her stand out. Made her different. Made her unique. Let you know, let you know where she stood. Where she stands. Uh, right or wrong, the sermon series that we start today really talks about standing out, but not standing out for the bad reasons, but standing out for the right reasons. The chameleon in the animal kingdom is a master of disguise. I mean, it will, it will blend into its background, to its surrounding. You can't even tell that it's there. Now, that's how it protects itself. Church, as Christians, that one of the fundamental aspects of being a believer is that we are usually identifiable when placed up against the backdrop of the world. We're not to blend in. We are to stand out. We are to be different. We are to be those people who are slow to anger and slow to speak. We're just supposed to be those people who are, who are gentle and who are quick to forgive. That's us. Those are the trademarks of who we are. Uh, they will know we're Christians by our love. And, and we, they will know that we're Christians because we love and we forgive and we get along. But the truth is, many of us find it easier to blend in than to stand out. Many of us find it easier to just kind of blend in like a chameleon than to stand for our values. Romans 12, 2, the Apostle Paul shows us the difference between blending in and standing out. Uh, one of my favorite D.L. Moody quotes, and I've got a lot of them, but I like this one. He says, the Word of God is not given for our information. The Word of God is given to us for our transformation. The Word of God is given so that we will change, so that we will stick out, so that we will be noticeable for the glory and the kingdom of God. Romans 12, 2 says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove the will of God. And by the way, what is the will of God? Well, it's good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. Once you listen to a contemporary transliteration of that, this is what the Living Bible says. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but be a new and be a different person with a fresh newness in all that you do and all that you think. Same text, just different words. Y'all, many of us can remember how important it was to blend in in high school. We, would, uh, we wanted to be with the in crowd. We wanted to be invited to the cool parties. We wanted to be uh, invited to the dances. We wanted to be invited out to uh, the right study groups. And because we wanted that in high school, sometimes we changed our personality to be a personality that the cool kids would approve, the cool kids would accept, to be invited to the right parties. Maybe we, we took on habits that weren't necessarily ours, but just so that we could be brought in and accepted into that group. And for a while, maybe it worked. Uh, for a while, maybe you were invited to the right study groups invited to the right parties maybe for a while it worked but the truth of the matter is you can only keep that facade up for a little bit you can only keep that facade up for so long it's exhausting and once people see the real you and the uh, the one that has stopped faking the one that has stopped putting on the mask they may stay with you they may not stay with you but either way it's exhausting with each, with either way, I mean, it is, it, it will flat wear you out. And it's a false sense of community. It is a process that's traumatizing. And it messes a lot of kids up. And hey, you know what? It doesn't stop when you graduate. We get that same mess even in, in work, in the workforce. You know, the only reason we're accepted into that little group was because we were pretending to be somebody else. Once they've discovered who we are, maybe they won't hang around as much today. As Christians, we're called to live like Jesus. We are called to live like our Savior. Treat others like Jesus. Interact with others like Jesus. Forgive people like Jesus. And if we say we're, if we say we're Christians, but we continue to live that same sinful life, 
There's a word for it. It's called hypocritical. When we follow Jesus, but we look like the world and we blend in. Well, that's not the way a Christian lives, and that's not what Jesus has called us to do. We have been called to stand out, not blend in. Uh, so let me do this. Let me, let me start this whole thing today talking about confronting our, con uh, confronting our conforming. We grew up modeling the behavior of the people around us. Typically, our moms, our dads, our brothers, our sisters, our grandmas, our grandpas, our aunts, our uncles. Uh, little ones tend to emulate their parents. They wear the same haircut, same style of clothes, things like that. As we get older, we kind of emulate our friends. There's a point in your life where your friends are your family. You will, you will just kind of gravitate towards them, and that's who you hang out with. Uh, it, most of you experience that as well. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, when we're looking at community and treating other people like Jesus, God is calling us to be followers of Christ to stand out rather than to fit in. Transformation, y'all, means that we are different. I grew up watching the Three Stooges. Does anybody remember the young? Okay, Three Stooges. Back when KPLR was Channel 11. All right? And better be careful what you watch at 10 o'clock on that channel back in, back in the day. Uh, but I remember watching the Three Stooges. I was all about Larry, Moe, and Curly. And I thought they were the funniest things ever. And I'd watch them so much that, you know, I'd yunk, 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 yunk to my mom and dad and thing, do that to my brother and poke people in the eye. Um, I watched it so much around when I was eight years old. you got to remember, on KPLR in 1977, 76, 78, it was, uh, Three Stooges was on in the morning. It was on in the noontime. It was on when you got off school. Okay, and they would mix some Johnny Quest and Racer, uh, Speed Racer up in there. Uh, but I, I got to the point where I'd be over at my, my friend's house. Greg lived right around the block. I started poking him in the eye. I thought that was funny. Um, my mom grounded me from watching Three Stooges for about a month. She said, if you can't act any better than that, uh, then you don't need to watch him. Well, I was imitating what I was seeing. I was imitating what I thought was funny. I was imitating uh, what I thought was just a hoot. Um, I, I no longer put my fingers in people's eyes, uh, but I will tell you what, I sound a whole lot like my mom and dad. Uh, when I discipline my kids, I, you know, I, those same words come out. What's wrong with you, boy? You know, things like, uh, uh, dad, I forgot you were here. I'm sorry. You forgot. You remember all that, right? Okay. Thank you. Is everything I'm saying true to this point? All right. I forgot. Welcome to the show. All right. Uh, you, you had front row seats. Uh, what if you don't like who you've become? You know, what if you don't like who you are? What if you don't like uh, these things in our life that, that we, we, we've, we've imitated other people maybe? How do we get rid of that stuff, uh, stuff? You see, as believers, we can expect that we at different times of our life, we're going to be confronted with differences between how we're living and how the Word of God tells us to live. There will be times in our life where there is a disconnect and we've got to confront the conforming. John 14, verse 1 through 26, and I'm not going to read all 26 verses to you, but in that text, we see a divine confrontation played out between Jesus' ministry and a woman at a well who was Samaritan. Now, you need to know a little bit about the background before we kind of get into uh, confronting our confirmation, uh, our, our conforming, confronting our conforming. This woman was there in the, by the well, and the Jews couldn't stand Samaritans. Uh, it was almost like how Cardinal fans don't like Cubs fans, uh, but even more so. 
uh, they wouldn't go through Samaria if they had to on a bet. They would take a detour around Samaria because that's where the Samaritans were. They didn't want anything to do with them. You know, it's like, you know, you don't want to drive through East St. Louis at one o'clock in the morning, that type of thing, okay? Or whatever neighborhood, Atlanta at one o'clock in the morning. That's how the Jews looked at, at Samaritans. Stay away from them, okay? And especially the Samaritan women. And so the Jews couldn't, couldn't tolerate them. They didn't like them. But what we see in the story is, man, Jesus is right there in the thick of it. He goes to a well where there's not only a Samaritan, but she's a Samaritan woman. And Jesus uh, strolls up there, and we see this, this confrontation coming in. And Jesus gets to the well around noon, six hours, six watch. Um, and here comes this woman. Now, y'all, it's hot over there, uh, especially in this particular area. It's hot over there, and this woman came at 12 in the afternoon. Hottest part of the day to get water. Now, most of the women would go there in the morning because that's when it was coolest. Uh, they got their morning water and they got their evening water. They'd get there three or four in the afternoon and pull their water. This woman's at noon. This tells me two things, Mark. Either number one, she got there after the ladies left or she got before they, or she was there before they came. You know why? She was kind of known as the community rounder. She was kind of known as the gal that got around. She was embarrassed. But the thing is, I mean, she had to take care of herself. Thing is, I mean, she's got a background, yeah. She has to eat. Jesus goes to her. She's drawing water. And we know why she was alone, because she couldn't come down to the well with any of her friends because she didn't have any friends. In fact, if she had her way about it, she would just simply as soon have somebody bring her water because she doesn't like to go out in public because she's embarrassed and ashamed. Her life song would have been Charlene's I've Never Been to Me. Her life song might have been Bad Girls. This was her. Nevertheless, Jesus meets her and he offers her living water. The Bible says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus asked her for a drink. He was alone at the time and his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised that a Jew would ask a despised Samaritan for anything. Usually they wouldn't even speak to them. And she remarked about, uh, she remarked about this to Jesus and he replied, Honey, if you only knew what a wonderful gift God has given for you and who I am you would ask me for living water so far so good Jesus is offering her the gospel Jesus is offering her eternal life Jesus is offering her salvation Jesus is offering her into a new heart into a new spirit but wait Jesus isn't going to let her off the hook because he knows her living arrangements he knows where her life is not stacking up with the word of God is he going to let her off the hook he hasn't so far at least not with me and he doesn't with this gal. The Bible says, Honey, go get your husband, Jesus told her. But sir, I'm not married, the woman replied. And Jesus said, <laughs> You said a mouthful. All too true. He makes her aware that her lifestyle will never truly fulfill her. What she is living and how she is living will never leave her anything other than thirsty. I, I thought about this when I read this. What if her relationship wasn't with a man? What if it would have been with another woman? What if Jesus confronted her? Yes, he would have. What if her relationship would have been with the transgender? Absolutely, Jesus still would have confronted her. And here's the thing. What if her relationship wouldn't have been with the person at all? What if her relationship would have been with a needle? Or a bottle? Or a fork? What if he confronted her? I absolutely think he would. He would have confronted her and said, honey, what you're doing does not match up with the will of God for your life. What you're doing is not matching up with what the Scripture says or what the will is or what the purpose is for God on you. 
Now, he makes her aware that her lifestyle will never leave her anything other than thirsty. And Jesus calls her out of that way. She's living with somebody who's not her husband. And Jesus is saying, honey, I've got a better man for you than what you're with right now. I've got a man that will take care of your needs, make you feel content. You see, the path for real transformation has to begin with this woman confronting her negative lifestyle. It has to begin with this woman saying, yes, my life is not stacking up. I want to do something about it. I don't want to continue to blend in. I want to stand out. Maybe you've been following the patterns of people around you because it's easier to fit in than to be different. Maybe you know that you can't keep friendships if you decide to stick out. Maybe you'll only keep your friends if you decide to stay with them and talk like them and think like them and, and, and tell the same jokes and go to the same places and do the same things. Maybe Jesus is offering you a better way of life right here and right now. Maybe Jesus is offering you a way away from the well. Just like this encounter with the woman at the well, He's offering you and I living water. The Bible says in John 10.10, 10, For the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that in abundance. Jesus wants to give you full life. Get out of where you are. Y'all, we got to confront our conforming if we're going to stop playing chameleon with the question that we must answer. It's the same question Jesus asked a man by a pool in Jerusalem. Afterwards, in John 5, 1, 6, afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was a Bethesda pool with five covered platforms of porches around them. Crowds of sick folks. Y'all say crowds of sick folks. That's going to make a difference. Say crowds of sick folk. Well, what kind of sick folk were they? Well, they were blind. They were lame. They were paralyzed limbs. They lay on the platform waiting for a certain movement of the water before an angel of the Lord came from time to time and disturbed the waters. And the first person to, to get in was healed. Verse 5. One of the men laying there had been sick. He'd been laying there for how long? 38. That's a long time to be on disability. But that's where he's at. 38 years when Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been there. And by the way, nobody told him how long he had been there. Nobody gave him a memo or an email or a text. Man, Jesus just knew. Don't forget, Jesus is God. He knew how long this little boy had been there. And he didn't say, how you're doing? He didn't say, how's the family? He didn't say, hey, how's your hometown doing? He said, hey, how's the team doing? He says, man, do you want to be well? And to me, it's like, dude, that's an obvious question. Yeah, been laying here for 38 years. I can't ever get down there. So the question we have to answer, well, we got to confront our conforming, but before we do that, we got to answer the question, do we want to get better? Do we want to be different? Do we want to blend in or stick out? John 5, Jesus meets a man who had been invalid for 38 years, laying by the pool of Bethsaida. It appears that Jesus must have passed by many other people who were also sick and handicapped. You look there in verse 5, this is where all the, this is where all the crippled folks were. Uh, and, and i got a question. is Why didn't Jesus heal the lame person that day? Why didn't He heal the blind guy? Why did He step over the lame guy and the blind guy? And why did He step over the paralyzed, paralyzed woman to get the do the do 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 <laughs> to get to the dude who had been there for 38 years. Don't try that at home. That's only for professionals. Like I was speaking in tongues for a second. Uh, Y'all made me lose my place. Shame on you. Lord. Why didn't Jesus heal everybody at the pool? You know, I've been, I've been asked this question before by people at church. You know, if these faith healers are will, why don't they go in the hospital and just heal everybody in the ICU? 
I'll ask him that, but we need to ask Jesus why he didn't heal everybody here that day too. Okay, because Jesus didn't heal everybody that day. He went to this man and confronted his conforming. It was time for this man. How was this man conforming, preach? This guy's a handicapped guy. He can't get around. He ain't even got one of them blue stickers to put up in his car. How can this guy possibly be a fault? How could he possibly be wrong? Mike, how could you possibly say this old boy is conforming? Well, I want you to see it. Jesus doesn't give him a pass. Jesus literally confronts him at the pool. He says, when Jesus saw him, he says, would you like to get well? Jesus is looking at this man who is fully conformed to his circumstances. I'm going to say that again because that's deep. This man was fully conformed to his circumstances, to his situation. Preach, what do you mean by that? Because this, all he saw was the problem. All he saw was the circumstance. All he saw was the situation. This is what he says in John 5, 7. I can't get well. I can't get healed. For I have no one to help me into the pool at the movement of the water. Because while I'm trying to get there, somebody pulls the lame guy ahead of me. Because before I get there, somebody gets the blind guy and wants to stick him in ahead of me. Because by the time I get there, somebody's bringing in that paralyzed guy down there. You know what he's doing? He's blaming everybody else. How can I possibly get up there? The man couldn't see a pathway forward into healing. But can you imagine Jesus standing right in front of that old guy? And Jesus is standing between him and the pool of Bethsaida. And the only thing that old guy can see is the pool over here. And Jesus is standing there and he's the one who can heal him. And all he can see is the problem. Jesus was saying, dude, I can help you. You want to get well? How can I? Dude, if that don't sound like us, I don't know what does. Little did he know that while he was staring at the pool of Bethsaida, the living waters of Christ were staring into his soul, looking to bring him wholeness, looking to bring him healing into his life on this particular day. How many times have you been staring at the thing in your life that conformed you? You stare at a divorce. Or you stare at an affair. Or you stare at a disease. You stare, you stare at abuse. You stare at failed relationships. You stare at your weight. You stare at your mental illness. You stare at your addiction. You stare at your anger. All you do is stare on the problem and you let that circumstance conform you. We let that circumstance shape us. And the same question Jesus asked 2,000 years ago with that pool is the same question Jesus asked at Chester First Baptist Church in July of 2021. Do you want to get better? Do you want to get well? Do you want to stop conforming and get well? Or said another way, do you want the transformative power of God in your life? Remember Moody's words. The Bible is not for our information. The Bible is for our transformation. The words of Christ challenged and confronted the man at the pool of Bethsaida. And these words still challenge and confront us today. Do you want to get better? If you're here today and you're trying to figure out why that negative pattern in your life seems to be present. Maybe it has a correlation to do with the amount of time you spend with God. Let me tell you that again. I believe that the more time we spend with God, the less time the world creeps into our life. The more of God there is in our life, the more 
we will be closer to him and the less the world will creep in. Let me go on a little bit. How many times have you been staring at that thing that just brought you that, all that pain? I believe that the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we'll begin to look like his son Jesus. And the world around us will gladly give us things to fill our time. This is the truth. Anytime you decide to get right with God, the world will always send you a ship to go the opposite direction. You make a commitment to stay with God in the morning in prayer. You will get tired. You won't wake up till 9 o'clock and you'll miss that opportunity. Or at night, well, I'm going to pray before I go to bed or I'm going to read a verse before I go to bed. Somehow before 8 o'clock, you're dead on your feet and you can't do it. The devil will always try to stop you from spending time with God because this is what he knows. He would rather have you spend time in your problem than spend time with the problem solution. Paul says in Romans 12 too, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove Approve what God's will is because it's good and pleasing and perfect. Church, this book, this book right here is the source of what we're seeking. There are over 2,000 words in here and every one of them are God-breathed. You want to know what God's will is for your life? You don't have to look any further. He'll confirm it. It's right here. By the way, I can promise you that it's all about loving God, loving people, and living like Jesus. It's all about going into your community and praying and going. Church, anytime, any place, God is ready to meet you right where you are and He wants to take you to where He wants you to be. Ask yourself today, do you want to be healed? Do you want the transformative power of God in your life? And do you want the abundant life that Jesus and Jesus alone can bring? Y'all, renewing your mind and being transformed, not conforming to the world around you, these things aren't easy, but they're worth it. They're not easy, but they're worth it. You can look around you and discover how to fit in and look like everybody else and act like everybody else. However, you have to look both up and within to learn the art of standing out for Jesus. We are to be different. We are to be salt. We are to be light. What is God trying to do in your heart as we begin this new series? How does He want you to be different? How does He want you to reflect the kingdom of God? How does He want you to stop blending in and start standing out? I'm going to leave you with one story. But I want you to know you were saved to stand out. You weren't, stand, you weren't saved to be an undercover Christian. You're not a secret agent for the kingdom of God. It was a man, a man and a woman. They, they, they weren't very wealthy. They were blue-collar workers. And their daughter played the violin like nobody's business. Dad was just a laborer. Mom was a housewife. But man, they, they gave of themselves, worked overtime, didn't ever have much. But they send that little girl all the way up through, through college and, and her master's degree to play this violin in a concert setting, in a professional setting. And from time to time, she had come home and she'd bring her violin. She never went anywhere without that violin. Mom and dad would be there and they'd have a big fish, a fish fry, jambalaya, uh, cook, or crawfish boil from time to time and they'd bring all the families and all the relatives and all the neighbors come in and there's that there's their daughter with that violin and she'll be playing cotton eye joe you know uh rocky top and all them great songs on that violin fiddle you know and then after everybody's had that good time and danced the dad look at the the girl and said honey now play him something expensive She plays some Brahms or Beethoven or Chopin or Mozart. She just filled that room with those sound, that expensive sound. Church, do you understand the price that was paid for you to be different? Sinless blood was shed for you. And the, the blood.
blood of God spilled for you. For you. Pretty high price. What if today God's saying to us, now playing something expensive? Almighty God, I pray that we would not blend in. I pray we would stick out. Lord God, as we embark on this brand new series about fighting the urge to blend in, fighting the urge to fit in, Lord, I pray that we would fit into your perfect will. We would fit into your purpose and your plan. Father, would you let this church be a witness in this community? Because, Lord, we want to be well. And we are willing to confront our conforming. With every head bowed, every eye closed today, if you don't know where you would spend your eternity, today maybe you don't know where you would spend your forever. I told you that there was a very high price that was paid for you to be saved. There was a very high price for you not to stand out with the, uh, not for you to blend in, but to, but to stand out because of Jesus. Today, if you would like to take advantage of that gift of salvation and place your faith in the grace of God through His Son, Jesus, I invite you to pray with me. And in fact, maybe you're a born-again believer and you just want to reaffirm and recommit yourself to Him this morning. Don't leave here without knowing where you stand with the Father. Don't leave here not knowing where you stand with eternity. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. You died on the cross in my place to save me. Lord, have me as your child. Renew my mind. So I would not conform to the world. But I would be transformed into the image of my Savior, Jesus. For it's in His name we pray. And amen. Uh, Sharon, where you at, honey? Sharon, where you at? Sharon, Sharon? Honey, stand. Uh, Ridge, help me out. Go give Sharon that microphone. Sharon has got an announcement to make about Three Springs. We have an opportunity to help some residents out at Three Springs. Sharon's going to tell us what we need uh, in a very quick way. Thank you, sweetheart. Um, they are open an in-house store. I guess the residents gets points and gets to go shopping in, in there. And she said they haven't did it since COVID, but they need some medium to 2X um, pajamas. They said uh, gently used will be acceptable. Um, they also need socks. And then if anybody wants to donate craft stuff, they said they would accept that too. Give me those sizes again, honey. Medium to 2X. Pajama bottoms. Pajamas. They just pajamas. said pajamas. Okay. And socks. Yes. No skid socks or any kind of socks? They just said socks. Okay. And crafting material. Yes. And if you want to bring that, Miss Sharon will bring that. She'll take it to Three Springs for you. Yes. Okay. So if you want to bring that next Sunday or the Sunday after that. Or if you want to take it there. Just call and let them know, and they'll pit, they'll pit meet you at the door and get it. Okay. Is that cool, honey? Yeah. Right on. Thank you, sweetheart. Anything else? Did you all enjoy Miss Suzanne playing, uh, singing today? That's awesome. Yeah, honey. Uh, our students from 6th grade to 12th grade will be meeting at The Rock over on... Uh, right behind the Parsonage, there's a sign over here across the road on State Street, how to get down there. And that's going to be at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. Is that right, Montana? Okay. 
So send the word out. We'll put something on Facebook. We'll send you, uh, we'll put it on Facebook, and we might do a one call. We might do, a, we'll do a one call. All right, that's all I have. Y'all good? Oh, Miss Schaefer, thank you. How in the world could I possibly forgot that? We are doing a VBS clinic Friday, February 23rd. Our theme is the Jesus League. Uh, how Jesus called followers to Him to be a part of His disciple group. Y'all, Jesus is still calling people to be disciples, to be a part of His disciple group. So that's where we're at. Uh, be praying for that. If you've not volunteered yet, I'm sure we could use the help. Uh, talk to me uh, or, or, uh, or Pam. That would be great. Me or Pam, and we'll, we'll get you hooked up. That's all I have. Thank you, Ms. Schaefer. We've got, we're going to have inflatables out here. It's going to be from 9 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon, a one-day thing. It's very old school. Back in the day, we used to go vacation Bible school during the day. You know, and I thought mom would love us. She would send us to that church one week and then that church another week. That church. She was just trying to get us out of the house. All right. Uh, I knew what. Now I know what she was doing. Hey, go on. All right. That's all I have. Uh, Brother Bill. Will you release the word closing? Thank you, buddy.